Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. More information about Lifehouse and pastors Richard and Helen Kabakian can be found at lifehouse.com.au. We hope you enjoy the following message. Well, without, without, without being too pessimistic, you know, I mean, Lifehouse is traditionally known for being a very positive place. Are you glad about that? Uh, we, like, we like to sort of, you know, know that there is a future and a hope for our lives because the enemy does a great job of doing everything else. Um, but let me just ask a question that is fairly pessimistic. I would, I, oh, well, I don't know. It may or may not be, depending on how you would answer it. But how many of you would say that from, you know, so far in your life, from when you think back to when you were a child, for some of you it's not too long ago, for some of you you can't even remember being a child, um, how many of you would say that this world, well, would you say it's getting better or would you say it's getting worse? Just, just, just we're not talking about world history here, just in your, in your lifetime. How many of you would say it's, it's getting better? Just give me a nod. You don't need to raise hands. Just give me a nod. How many of you think, no, there's not many heads nodding. How many of you think it's getting worse? Just give me a nod. Okay, there's a lot of heads nodding there, right? Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think most people would agree with you that the world seems like it's getting darker and darker. Now, whether it's just because we now, through technology, can know everything that's going on in the world and happy, good news doesn't sell, so the only thing we ever hear is negative. But I think the reality is, too, is that most of us would feel like the world is a much unsafer place. Would we agree with that? Um, you know, I, I went to Bali not too long ago, and we just went for a little bit of Mexican. I thought it was just a Mexican restaurant. And, uh, and next thing you know, it sort of turned into a little bit of a nightclub, and people were... And, and all of a sudden, seriously, the fear struck me like, wow, this is the sort of place that somebody would want to bomb. And, and, you know, just that thought, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at everybody, you know. I even looked at my wife a little bit strangely, like, you know. <laughs> you know just, and I started to get scared. I thought, gee, what a, what a world we live in. I'm just trying to have some enchiladas. And I'm, worried, I'm fearing for my life, all of a sudden. And, you know, I think most of us would say that that's how we feel. Some of us are very concerned about our children. You know, I've talked to some young couples. They're really concerned about bringing children into the world, and I understand that. Don't let that stop you, though. But um, some people... People are worried about house prices. You know, I mean, I want my children to live nearby. And, you know, the way property prices are going, they're probably going to have to live in Ecuador. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it's just it's going crazy out there. And so we're, I'm a little bit concerned about that. Do you know there used to be a day you could actually leave your car unlocked and nobody would actually want to steal it? Yeah. Not in some areas. That was, it's always been a bad problem. Um, but in some places, you could actually leave, you know, seriously, I remember that. Do you remember you could actually just get a, like a, a, a paddle pop stick and actually unlock a car? You could, remember you could do that? Remember? It was just, it was really, and then the key, remember the ignition key? You put the key in, but really didn't even need it because it had that like butterfly thing. You could just turn the car on. Remember that? And I'm not that old. But it used to be, it used to feel safe. Remember you used to, you, you, remember you could leave your back door unlocked. Uh, I remember Joe, you, you and I, we used to go to our friend's house. Remember, his back door used to always be unlocked. We used to go there, party up, drink all their food, go home. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean? Maybe we were drinking the wrong stuff back then. Um, you know, even the, I mean, I, I, I don't want to be negative, but let's just, these are the things we are thinking about, aren't we? But, you know, 
Even like the divorce rate, it just seems like it's just, is it, does it seem like it's doing that to you? Like it's just getting worse and worse. People used to stay together, now they're, you know, it's, it just seems like the world is getting darker. But let me just make something really clear to you. God is still on his throne. God is not sitting in heaven going, man, it's getting dark in that place. Wow, and I, I don't know what to do about it. You know, God is not shocked by what's going on in the world. God is still seated on his throne. And we need to know that. Otherwise, if we think this world is completely out of control, then you don't understand how powerful God is. Well, then why doesn't God stop it all? Well, you know, at what point do you want God to just let man do what they've they've got to do? Well, you know, can't God stop all this evil? If God starts getting involved in stopping evil right around the world, he will turn the whole world into robots. That means you can never speed in your car because you shouldn't speed. That's, that's a revelation to some of you right there, right? You shouldn't speed in your car. It's the wrong thing to do. So if God's going to get involved in, in solving all the world's evil, he has to stop you from doing 63 in a 60 zone. He has to stop a guy from breaking up with a girl because, because that's going to hurt someone. So at what point do you want God to sort of say, God, just leave it to us. Just let, just let things happen. Well, God has decided to let man do what they're going to do. He has decided that. Now, he does intervene through prayer. We know that. And God does interact and he does intervene. We, we do know that. But you've got to have a revelation that, that someone's in control out there of your life and where this world is headed. So why is God allowing the world to get darker and darker and darker? Well, I went to JB Hi-Fi uh, recently. And, you know, as you're sort of going through the little checkout there, they, they had these high-powered LED army torches and they're very, very powerful. And this little boy wanted one. So his mum said, okay. And so as he was in the line, he's, he's, he's using his torch. And, and he says to his mum, mum, it doesn't work. And so he looks at it in his eye and then nearly blinds himself. Um, but in, under the lights at JB Hi-Fi, the light wasn't doing anything. And so then he says to his mum, mum, later on, can we go somewhere where it's dark? Because light always works best. In darkness. And I want to tell you something. As the world is getting darker and darker, we, you and I, are the light of the world, Jesus said. And as the world's getting darker and darker, then we start to stand out more and more and more with a message of hope and of truth. When Helen and I, when I bought her a diamond ring, did you like that part? I bought her a diamond ring. When we went to go look for the diamond that she wanted in her ring, the, 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 the jeweler didn't, didn't put her diamond on a white backdrop. He put it on black velvet because diamonds shine brighter against black velvet. And I tell you what, why is God allowing the world to get darker and darker? Because there is a purpose behind it, and it's for you and I to be the light of the world that Jesus intended us to be. Let me show you the scripture. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 14 to 16, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is making it very clear that you and I are that high-powered LED torch. And he's, he's making it very clear. We are not in darkness, but the world is getting darker. 
And God's allowing it because when people are all lost in darkness, they start looking for the person who's got the torch. And that's God's plan. And that's what God is trying to do in the world. So listen, what I'm trying to say is don't fall into the trap that the whole world is falling into. It's terrible. It's bad. It's wrong. Yes, it all is. But come on, let's try and work out what God is trying to do here. He's trying to show the world, listen, without me, yes, it is dark. But he's trying to lead people who are light to give them some hope. In Jesus' name. Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. And I want to talk to you guys today about being a light in the dark. Do you know, as the pastor of this church, and I love you guys so much, and we talk about a lot of things, but I tell you what, we've got to be careful that we, that we keep talking about the main thing. And the main thing is not that we just have an awesome life ourselves, which we do in Christ, but we can never forget that God has put us on the earth to be a light to those who are in darkness. Amen. Amen. That's my job, friends. And, and you know what? It's my job. And I know that you guys are right with me. And, and I know that you're, you're partnering in, in doing that. But we've got to make sure that we always keep the main thing, the main thing. Amen. So Jesus, one day, he's talking. He's, he's, he's trying to find some disciples. And in Matthew 4, 18 to 20, he says this. As it says, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two, two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, come follow me and I will make you great Bible teachers. I will make you great singers. I will make you... Jesus says, I'll make you fishers of men. He says, I will make you, I, it's his job. He says, but listen, let's be clear about the whole reason that I'm calling you. I'm calling you out of darkness, not so that you can just enjoy the light yourself. I'm calling you to be fishers of men. Amen. Now listen, for Jesus could have said anything right up front. He could have said, listen, I'm calling you to be religious. He, said, he could have said, I'm calling you to be great preachers. And, and no, he wants us to be fishers of men. Now, listen, these guys were fishermen. They knew exactly what that meant. Because in order to be a fisherman, you would have to catch fish. That's what fishermen do, right? Are you hearing that? So you're going to be fishers of men. They would know exactly what that means. If you're going to catch fish, wait for it, you've got to go to where the fish are. Can't catch fish. These, These guys would have known you can't catch fish in the street. You can't catch fish sitting on your lounge room. You can't catch fish where there's no fish. You've got to go to where the fish are. So these guys would have to take their boat out, fill it up with nets, get ready. It's, it's inconvenient. It's cold sometimes. It's not a great lifestyle, but you're going to get the reward if you go and do it. So they would have known that. What else would they have known as fishermen? They would have also known that you can't see if there's any fish out there, but by faith you've got to drop your nets. In other words, you've got to just do what you've got to do, and you've got to leave the rest to God. So they would have known that too. What else would they have known? As fishermen, they would have known that you need different bait and different hooks to catch different types of fish. You can't just use the same thing and expect it. These guys would have known this. That's why Jesus used that metaphor with these guys. And they would have known that. He says, listen, guys, I want want you to become fishers of men. I'm going to teach you how to do it. And if there's one thing that Jesus would say to us today is, Lifehouse, I need you to go fish. I need you to go fishing. I need you to do it. And that's what he has called us to do. 
So Jesus gives this to the disciples and he spends much time with them and they talk and they do all those things. And then Jesus ascends to heaven and then we see the first miracle that takes place amongst the disciples was one day there was a guy who was crippled and he was sitting outside the temple. And they were going in. Listen to this. They were going in to pray. This guy was there for years. Everyone say years. He was there for years. He was crippled. He couldn't walk. Peter and John had seen this guy many times before. Even Jesus had seen him, but he was still crippled. And they were on their way to worship. And then we pick up the story in Acts 3, verses 4 to 8. Then it says, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. He was expecting money because he was crippled. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped up onto his feet and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Come on, who remembers the old song? He went walking and leaping and You know what I love about this story? It says Peter looked at him. The funny thing is, that man had been sitting there a long time. Peter had walked past him backwards and forwards many times. But something happened that day. Peter looked at him differently. He had fresh eyes. You know, just like there are people in our world, and let's be honest, they are walking around in darkness, or let's say they are crippled in life, not physically, but emotionally they're crippled. There's stuff going on in their world. And let's be honest, we've walked past them many times and we've sort of put them in the too hard basket. It's like, no, they're not really interested. Oh, I don't think I can help them. Or, you know what, they've just been like that for a long time. Or, no, they've made it pretty clear. And you know what, Peter could have thought that. Oh, I've seen this guy before. Yeah, yeah, well, Jesus didn't. Yeah, no, let's just move on. No, no, this time he looked at him differently. And I'm going to challenge every one of us. There are people in your world that God wants you to look at them differently. We've got to look at them differently. We've got to have fresh eyes. And what are those eyes that God wants us to have? Well, this is the motivation for what we are talking about today. What's our motivation? Let me tell you what our motivation is. Compassion. Church, let's never, ever lose our compassion for people. Don't lose your compassion, friends. It's, it's what makes us human. What is compassion? It's a, it's a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune. Now listen to this. Some of us might be thinking, oh, the person I'm thinking of, they're not suffering misfortune. Yeah, we haven't got to judgment day yet. Don't forget about judgment day. Maybe they've got everything right now. And by the way, it's funny how someone could have something today, but tomorrow it's all gone. But listen, God wants us to have fresh eyes. He wants us to have compassion. Listen to, listen to, the, to the meaning of it. Someone To have sorrow for someone who is stricken by misfortune, then listen to this, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate their suffering. I'm wondering today, how many of us could honestly say that you're filled with compassion? 
I'm sure we did at one stage. I don't know when we first got saved. Remember some of us when we first got saved, we were, oh man, I've got compassion. And then eventually a few people say, no, nah, I'm not really interested or please stop talking to me about that. And we start to lose our compassion. Friends, don't lose your compassion. We've got to have fresh eyes. This miracle would not have happened if Peter had just said, oh, you've been crippled for a long time. It's probably never going to change. No, no, we've got to have compassion. Jesus was motivated by compassion. I'm going to show you. Can I just show you just very quickly what motivated Jesus? Are we, are we up for this? Let's, we're going to do it quickly. Matthew 9.36. It says, when, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Matthew 14, 14, it says, Jesus saw a huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them. And then what did he do? And then he healed their sick. Mark 1, 41, Jesus was, what does it say? Come on, say it with me. He was moved with, listen, does anybody want to be like Christ in this room? We, all, we, we want to be like Jesus. Well, listen, let me tell you something that defined the Savior that we love so much. He came to earth because he was moved with compassion. Compassion. And listen, we are living in a society called the selfie society, and it's all about me and my puckered lips. And did I get the shot in? And and there's nothing wrong with that. Awesome, keep doing that. But listen, are you moved with compassion? Are you moved with compassion? Where you see someone's misfortune, and you don't just go, wow, that's terrible. No, no, then you're going to work out, how can I alleviate this problem in this person's life? Does anyone agree with what I'm saying today? You know, one day Jesus was standing by with his disciples and the Bible says there was a procession going through the town and it was a widow. She did not have a husband and her only son had passed away. And the Bible says that Jesus watched this go by. And he didn't just watch it go by. Have a look at what it says. Luke seven thirteen. It says, when Jesus saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. He says, don't cry. Do you know what he did next? He opened up the lid and he touched that boy and he raised him from the dead. Now, that's pretty powerful. Do you know what? That miracle wouldn't have happened if Jesus wasn't moved with compassion. I just want to challenge all of us, me, you, everybody. Friends, the world is getting darker. People's lives are feeling like they're out of control. People, people are suffering illnesses that we don't even know about. They've got turmoil going on inside of them, and we can think they've got it all, but we need to be moved with compassion. Come on, if anyone knows what I'm talking about, give the Lord a round of applause. Come on. You know, the story of the Good Samaritan that we preach often and over and over again, and we talk about the Samaritan who actually helped the guy who was beaten up, and it says that, the, that, that religion didn't help him and the priest didn't help him. But have a look at what it says. It says, then, then a despised, Luke 10, 33. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion. This is Jesus describing what needs to motivate us. And my prayer for you today is that God will fill you with compassion. Compassion. You know, I can't help but remember that I was once that person who was drowning in an ocean. I had no idea about faith. or, And someone came along. In their, in their boat of salvation and they saw me drowning and they pulled me out of that water and they pulled me into the boat. And do you know what I love? That me and that guy then kept going around the ocean trying to help others. 
Do you know what we've, you know what we've got to be careful that we don't do? Is get into that boat and, and get all that water that was in our lungs out and then go, wow, this is awesome, this boat, and then start beautifying the boat and put some Caesar, Caesar, Caesar stone bench tops in the boat and then put a sound system in the boat and then just start singing songs. I'm out of the water now. I'm out of the water. This temperature is beautiful. It's time to put a bigger engine in the boat. No, we're supposed to be using that boat to get people out of the water still. And we, we, we never want to be the church that we're all in the boat now and we all just start talking to each other about how wonderful it's, it is to be in the boat when, when, when clamming on the side of the boat and, and with their fingernails scratching the side of the boat are people screaming out saying, hey, what about us? Get away. Inconvenient. There's not enough room here, man. I can't get a car park anymore. I don't want more people in the boat. Leave it alone, man. You're going to... No, no, we've got to remember that we were rescued from that ocean. Amen? Come on. Come on. It's the heartbeat of our church, guys. It's the heartbeat of our church. Hey, listen, I don't want you to turn into a crazy person and start knocking on doors and, and, and do... No, no, no. No, we're going to keep this really natural. But listen, let's, let's have the right motive. Don't do this out of compulsion. Do it out of compassion. May you never do anything out of compulsion. Compulsion says, I have to, I ought to, I should. Compassion says, I want to, I love to, I want to do this. Compulsion is, I'm going to sell this to you. Compassion is, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to help you. I'm here to be with you. Amen. Jesus is saying, this is my motivation. You know, most of us are enjoying what's going on in this place. And maybe God would have done it through some other person. But many, many years ago, someone decided to cross the road in Ascot Vale and they saw a little Lebo there with curly hair back then. <laughs> and even though he was smiling and happy and all those things, what they, what they didn't know was this little boy was really fearful of the afterlife. And a, and a, and a young lady just said, hey, listen, do you want to come to a meeting? And I said, yes. And then I... Went to Bible college and I found a beautiful hot wife to marry. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We did, yeah, we did a little bit of that, yeah, right. And then, and 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 then eventually, what what happened was God gives this guy a vision of building a church that would have compassion. But I'm only here having compassion because someone had compassion on me. So then this little guy one day goes goes to work and he sees another guy. And, and he, he, he sees this guy and he thinks, well, this guy's a good-looking guy, but I bet you there's something going on in his life. And so I give the message to him. And lo and behold, within 15 minutes, he gives his life to Christ. Awesome. That was 13, 14 years ago. Well, what that guy now tells me is that he went through a really tough time emotionally just recently. And he said to me, I don't know what I would have done without Jesus in my life. 13 years later, 13 years later, he said, I'm so glad that you opened your mouth. And he sent me a text message and he says, thank you for telling me about Jesus 13 years ago because today I need him more than ever. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout of praise in this place. Come on. Let's never forget compassion, not compulsion. Don't, please don't go down the road, of, the road of compulsion. It doesn't last very long. It doesn't last very long. It's compassion. God, give me fresh eyes to see. And that was Peter's motivation. That, that was his motivation. He had compassion. So then what was his message? Well, the Bible says that he says to the guy, listen, buddy, silver and gold have I none. 
I don't have I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. What does that mean for you and me? Well, friends, that's our message. God doesn't expect you to give what you don't have. Just give what you do have. Let me give you an example. Well, who made God? Uh, I don't have the answer to that. So I can't give it to you. But let me tell you what I can tell you. My marriage was terrible, but God healed it. And sometimes we think we've got to be theologians. And God says, no, you don't need to be a theologian. Have I done anything for you? Amen? Have I done anything for you? We look, first of all, we're going to have compassion. But then the very next thing we've got to have is a message. So what is your message? Friends, it's very simple. What has Jesus done for you? Has he done anything for you? Anything? Anybody? Have a look at this guy from the Gadarenes. This guy from the Gadarenes was healed from having multiple demons inside of him. And then Jesus heals him and Jesus is about to leave. And it says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him. Are you hearing that? He wanted to go with Jesus. Jesus said no. But Jesus said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell Endicopolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. You know, we've got to be careful in a church our size and we've got interns at the moment and it's fantastic what's going on. But listen, we don't want you to be deceived to think that the pinnacle of Christianity is getting up on this platform. That's not the pinnacle, friends. Standing behind this, this, this pulpit is not the will of God for every single person in this room. But let me make something very, very clear to you. Every single one of you have got a pulpit. Every one of you have. Every one of you. And right now, you're standing here and, and, and you've come to worship God. And, 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 and down here, you've got Rob Natoli, loves God. He's just worshipped the Lord. What he doesn't realise is in the spiritual realm, he's got one of these. Right there. Don't touch it, Ron. <laughs> this is my one, but you're going to have your own in a minute. Rob's got his own. You know, God's done amazing things in this man's life. Some of it happened many years ago. Some of it happened three weeks ago. He did something, helped him in business in some areas. Other things he helped him in emotionally. Rob, Rob's got a, a pulpit. He's absolutely got a pulpit. And what God expects him to do is, as he leaves his place today, is don't just, don't just sort of worship God and then, no, no, Leave and take your pulpit with you. So, man, gee, today was a great day at church, wasn't it? It was fantastic. Pastor Richard, man, he's such a good-looking boy, that guy. Man, I don't know. I don't know how. Yeah, and you've got to take your And then what happens is some of you wake up at 5.30 in the morning like crazy people and you go to the gym, don't you? Do you? Yes, some of you? Yeah. yeah. What God expects you to do is not, not to become someone completely different but take your light with you and take your pulpit. And then as you go there and you've got your towel ready to go and you start, you know, you sort of look around you... Look around you. And as you're going for it, hey, how you going, bud? Yeah, good, man. What are you doing? Oh, nothing, huh? What you get to on the weekend? Oh, great. Let me tell you what I got up to on the weekend. I went to church, right? And you, what, you did what? Yeah, and what did you hear about? I, I heard about how you can actually have forgiveness for one another. Forgiveness? Yeah, man, I really hate my cousin. Well, let me tell you how you can overcome that un- unforgiveness. You, you know what? Apparently, if you don't forgive, it really messes your own life up. And, and, uh, and uh, take your pulpit with you. Take your pulpit. 
take it with you because I'll tell you what, we struggle to get them into this place. We do because they think church, but that's okay. Just take your pulpit wherever you go. Wherever you go. Where else do we go? Does anyone work in this place? Yeah, a few of you, that's great to see. Yeah, but you know what? As you get off the train and you're walking and you're, and you're walking to work and you're walking through, through the door, just say, hey, how you going? Hey, being great. Nice to see you today. Hey, you being great. You know, get to the water cooler. How you going, mate? How you been? What'd you get up to on the weekend? Oh, nothing much. Blah, blah, blah. Shot some kangaroos. Yeah, wow, okay. What did you get up to? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you what I got up to. Let me tell you what Jesus has done for me lately. Oh, gee, I really... My, my missus, man, she's giving me a hard time. Yeah, you know, you know my marriage used to be like that too? What, you argue all the time and all that? Yeah, let, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. That's what Christianity is, friends. That's what Christianity is. Take your pulpit. And some of us, you get to do a bit of travel. You're one of those blessed people. And you love that screen behind that seat a little bit too much. Like, all you want to do, you just want to watch movie after movie. But you know what? As you get on that aeroplane, God's expecting you to go, where can I sit? Where can I? Oh, this girl here. Okay, I might just, there's a spare seat there. Maybe just put her there. Here you go, here baby, here Where are you travelling to? Oh, fair enough, yeah, that's great, yeah. Yeah, what's going on? Oh, what, you're a raging alcoholic, are you? Oh, okay. Okay, well, you know what? I've, I've, I've got a friend who's a raging alcoholic, used to be a raging alcoholic, and uh, that's, that's church, friends. Are you... If, if we're going to wait for every person to get an opportunity to stand up here, by the way, do not steal this pulpit. That's not the point of this message right now. But every, yeah, Rob wants it. Every single one of you have got one of these. It's called, what has Jesus done for you? You don't have to have the answers to the whole wide world's issues and solving the Middle East crisis. Has Jesus done anything for you? People will be amazed at what God has done for you. Amen. Come on. Give the Lord a huge round of applause. You know, I was just trying to have a holiday in Lebanon recently. I said to my wife, I'm a little bit stressed about this trip to Lebanon because, you know, I don't speak Lebanese that well. And, you know, they're all going to want to sort of debrief on me and, you know, ask about my whole life and how do you explain things to people. And so I just went there for a holiday, literally went there for a holiday. Well, lo and behold, all my relatives that are living in a pretty dark place over there start asking me questions about, so why do you do what you do? Well, <laughs> but apparently you don't pray to saints and stuff. And I said, no, 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 no. And I had to explain it to him. I just, said, I just said, look, if I walked into a room, this guy's name is Joseph. I said, Joseph, if I walked into a room and you're in the room and I wanted to ask you a question or ask you for a glass of water, I wouldn't talk to your mum first to ask her to tell you to give me water. He goes, no, that's silly. I said, so why are you praying to other people? Just ask Jesus direct. Right? And at his mum's table with the plastic covers and the Turkish coffee being poured, listen to me, the gospel was being preached. And it was just simple. And, and, and we didn't need, like, worship and, and lights and, and can I please have a screen, please? Because I'm about to preach to my cousin now. Can we please have a slide there? And, and it was just... Conversation. Well, funny enough, he goes to me, well, when you come back, 
I, I want to do this thing that you're talking about. So why don't you do it now? He goes, I need time to think about it. <laughs> but he wants to do this thing. Listen, there are people at your workplace that I will never get to. I will never meet them, ever. But you know them. They're in your world. And God says, come on, use, use the platform I've given you. What's the platform, Lord? Influence. I've done something in your life. Use it. But I'm nervous. Friends, let compassion overtake nervousness. But I feel inadequate. Let compassion overtake your inadequacy. Come on, let it, let it just... You may get it wrong, but you may get it right. You may get it right. Don't let it rule you, friends. There's people living in a dark world. Every time they turn on the television, it tells them, Things are bad. Things are bad. Things are bad. You're going to lose your job. We're running out of resources. The sun's going to burn us up. There's an asteroid coming in a few years' time. That's all they're seeing, and you walk in like a shining light. You've got this smile on your face. They're wondering what it is about you. You've got your LED torch out. And, and you know what? Come on, let's tell them. What, what, who else is giving them hope? There's no hope anywhere else. God has given us the message, the answer. He's given it all to us, and, and we're nervous that we're going to somehow get it wrong. Hey, listen. Just shine your light. You might get the light in your own eyes once in a while and blind yourself, but that's okay. Come on. Our motivation is compassion. Our message is is the life that Jesus has given us. What's the last thing that happened to this guy? It says that Peter grabbed him by the hand and literally pulled him up. He didn't just go, there you go, mate, there's your miracle. See you later. See if you can walk on your own. No, no, he actually helped him to get up and walk. He helped him. He didn't just say, so there you go. So there's the hope that you've got. No worries, mate. No, no. He literally helped him up. You know what? There's got to be an action, friends. We've got to help. We've got to make a way for people. And if someone is interested, you know what? You've got to take a risk and say, hey, listen, why don't you come with me to church one day? Hey, why don't you come to my life group? Hey, why don't you come to Flourish? Hey, and you'd be surprised. They might go, oh, but who else is offering them hope? I tell you, I tell you what will happen. Her girlfriend will tell her to go to another nightclub. Their friend will tell them to go to another feng shui meeting. The auntie will say, come and do tarot cards. They've got no shame doing that side of it. But the people that have got the truth and the light and the people that can be helping people, helping them go forward, we're all nervous and and panicky when no one else seems to be. Hey, listen, the ice dealer isn't panicking. He's not panicking. Oh, yeah, mate, the first one's for free. Everything's for free. Hey, listen, come on, we're going to be as aggressive as the, as, as the ice dealer, but for the kingdom of God and help people come back home. That's what we're trying to do here. Come on, church. Come on. You don't need to be a preacher, eloquent. you just got to have a life that's been impacted by Jesus. That's all. Do you have that? If you don't, I pray that by the end of today, you would give your life to Jesus and let him start to impact you. But for those of us that have already got the light, come on, we're going to shine it. Amen. We teach it to our little kids. How's the song go again? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I, don't know, I didn't grow up in kid. I don't know how those songs go. but <sighs> Amen. Amen? Come on, as, as the pastor of this church, I want us to get to heaven one day and God says, whoa, angels, come and surround this place. I want you to meet Lifehouse Church and we're all there like that. We're there. Jerry Yago's there. We're all like, you know, Wayne Bustle, we're all there. You know, Wes, Wes is there. We're all there. And God says, angels, I want to tell you something about this church. They kept the main thing, the main thing. They kept the main thing. This, this is the church that was always looking outward. This is the church that, that were never satisfied unless hands were going up every week and people giving their life to Christ. I want, come on, I want, I want you to see this church called Lifehouse. 
They built a beautiful building, but they knew what the building was for. Amen. Do you know what was amazing? We had a funeral here on Friday. What a beautiful funeral it was, if you can even say a funeral was beautiful, but it was. I'll tell you what was beautiful, because the room was filled with people who were coming to celebrate this beautiful girl's life. And in the midst of that darkness, a light shone. And it was the hope. She's with Jesus. She's with Jesus. And she's in heaven looking at all of, and this is what was said. She's in heaven looking at all of you saying, hey, listen, don't, don't cry for me. Cry for yourselves if you don't end up there. That's the message that went out and I loved it. Because in the midst of the darkness, four or five hundred people heard about the light. And sometimes we wonder, God, why would you do that? I, I tell you what, we might get to heaven, we're going to see four or five hundred people in heaven because of one person's life. Sometimes we can't see why the darkness is there. One thing I do know, we're supposed to be the light in the middle of it all. Amen. Come on, man. Let me be a little bit tough on you. Sometimes the reason we don't do this is we don't want to be rejected. But Jesus was rejected. I'm so glad he allowed himself to be rejected so that he could be my saviour. Do you know sometimes if you allow yourself to be rejected, you will become the saviour. You know, you know what I mean by that? Leading them to the saviour. But you will be people's light. But if we're always nervous about being rejected, you'll say nothing, do nothing. And then one day we will get to heaven. And this is the, the worst part of it all. That friend will say to you, did you know this was coming? And you'll say, yeah. Did you know that I didn't have a relationship with Jesus? Yeah. Why didn't you say something? I was nervous you might reject me. Well, guess what? God's about to reject me. God's about to reject me because you didn't want to be rejected. Now God's going to reject me because I lived a whole life ignoring him. Come on. I know that sounds a bit tough, friends. I'm not trying to butter you up. I'm not trying to be super positive. I'm just telling you the truth. We are called to be the light of the world in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. Come on, guys. You know what? Let's not waste a moment. My prayer is that even in this church service right now, that we would be a light. And if you're here today, you're not sure whether you're connected to Jesus. Friends, please, I, I'm, I'm going to beg you, give your life to Christ. It's the best thing you'll ever do. The joy that will flood your heart will amaze you. And you will know for sure the day you take your final breath, you're going to be in heaven with Jesus. Don't waste an opportunity in a room like this. It's a safe place. No one's going to laugh at you in this place. They may laugh at you somewhere else, but they won't laugh at you in this place. This is what we're all about. Our deepest desire is that you would give your life to Jesus. Hi, I'm Richard Gabakian, pastor of Lifehouse Church. Just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus, which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now. And if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you that will last for all eternity.
If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. You can do that by sending an email to mydecision at lifehouse.com.au. We look forward to hearing from you.